Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father God, once again we come before you to receive instructions. We ask the Holy Spirit of God for wisdom, revelation. We ask the Lord for understanding. Demand God that you grant us instructions in the ways of life. That we establish our faith more and more in your intent and purposes for creation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Okay, so we, we, we just continue with our study on the third heaven. And this is part number four. Third heaven, part number four. Again, our text remains Second Corinthians chapter 12. And we just look at verse 2 and verse 4. Just 2 and verse 4. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 2. I knew a man in Christ 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell. Whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knew it. Such a one cut up to the third heaven. Verse number four. How that he was cut up into paradise and held unspeakable words, which is not love for a man to alter. Amen. And this is a test we're dealing with, and we're trying to give simple definition to the word third heaven in relation to the word paradise. But the key point is, what is the third heaven? That is what we are actually driving at. So we know the third heaven equals paradise, but what is third heaven? That's what we're looking at. We know to establish the fact that the first heaven of God was the ark. By that we mean the first place that God manifested himself tangibly to mankind. Because God is spirit. So in Exodus, he tells us, God said, make me an ark. And then we'll come and speak to you from between the cherubims. Remember that. So the ark was the first tangible place that God took form or shape, if you will. Hallelujah. Amen. Again, we look at that. Exodus 25, verse number 22. Exodus 25, verse number 22. And there I will meet with thee. And I will come in with thee from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment of the children of Israel. Now the key point I want you to look at is, 
I'll meet with thee. That's the place where God intends to commune with man and to give uh, instruction, the directions to Israel through Moses. It was right there on the ark. By implication, the ark was the presence of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then we'll find that the ark is also described as the glory of God, the glory of his presence. Yeah, so the ark was a physical structure that was housing God. Physical structure that was housing God among his people. And so the ark, like we said, was his first heaven. Amen? So what then was the second heaven of God? That's what we're going to be looking at tonight. What exactly is the second heaven of God? All the glory of the Father. And this is important. So uh, let's look at Acts chapter 7 and verse 47. Stephen was speaking here, 47 down to 48. Acts 7, yeah, 47, 48. But Solomon built him a house. And the 48 simply says, How be the most high dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. God does not dwell in temples made with hands. But we can understand that the ark was a temple or the temple, the ark was in the temple that was made with hands. So God decides to make a difference. If you haven't used the word, he's saying, I'm not going to dwell permanently in temples made with hands. That means there is something again in the heart of God that he intends to do. In other words, he wanted to move away from the temple that is made with what? With hands. Are you getting that? Okay. So here we find that there was going to be a shift from what was that uh, physical temple, in, in quotes, and which is called, uh, uh, to what we now call a spiritual temple. Now there's a physical temple, now there's going to be a physical temple. The physical, I mean spiritual temple. The physical temple is temple made with hands. The spiritual temples are temple not made with hands. You get the understanding. Right. So now the temple may return. That's why we have the ark. And the ark was where he was showing himself tangibly present before his people. So what is the second heaven? Because the first one is the ark. Now the second heaven is going to be a temple made without hands. Is it making sense? Right. Remember we're dealing with the third heaven. We are trying to say you cannot have a third heaven without first and the second. So the question is what's the first heaven? What's the second heaven before we come to the third heaven? So now we've been able to see the first heaven. So we're moving on to what is called the second heaven. And the second heaven is going to be a temple made without hands. The first one's temple made with hands. Second heaven is temple made without hands. Is that okay? All right. Okay. Uh, now, don't forget, whatever was appearing on the temple or in the temple was the glory of God. And the glory of God is called Doxa. That which is weighty. Amen. That had dignity and that which has, uh, uh, um, I mean, it's important we describe that first in terms of what you call the glory of God, which was what was appearing on that. Um, let's look at Exodus 24, first place. Exodus 24, verse 15. Let me just look at that, 15 to 16. Exodus 24. And Moses went up unto the mount, and a cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered his six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. I want you to get that. Remember, 
in between the cherubims that was in the ark, he was speaking. And his glory was there between the two cherubims. You following that? Okay. Now on my Sinai, that same glory descended on my Sinai. And it was there for six days. And on the seventh day, God spoke out of that cloud. The same cloud that was between the cherubim was what came up on my Sinai. Amen. Praise the Lord. So you will find that he spoke out of that cloud. The glory is his presence. And you know what? He spoke out of that glory that was upon that cloud. Is that okay? That was his presence. That was his, uh, whatever you can call his fire presence, as the case may be. This same cloud, let's look at it in Acts chapter 9, verse 3 to 9. Long one anyway, but let's take six verses. Acts chapter 9, verse 3 to 9. And as he journeyed, talking about Paul now, Saul, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. What was the next thing? And he fell to the earth and had a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, who thou persecuted, it is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And he trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what would thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go unto the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the man could journey with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no man. Praise God. Verse 9 said, And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they that led him by the hand and brought him into where? Into Damascus. Now, what I want you to see there is this. What covered the mountain? First of all, what covered the ark or what was between the ark was the glory, it was the light. That same light, what was the glory, is what covered on Mount Sinai. It was the same light that appeared unto Saul on the road to Damascus. So you begin to see that this cloud was the conveyance, the, the carrier of God's presence. Are you following it? Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, look at me to Acts chapter 1 verse number 9. And then John 17 5. Bible says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and what? A cloud. And I want you to look at it closely. Receive him out of their sight. A cloud is definite. Not clouds. A cloud. Did you notice that? Sometimes when you read, you may not be able to see these things. But what took him out of their sight was what? A cloud or a singular cloud. Not clouds. That is why people don't find it, I mean, easy or it's difficult for people to comprehend what the Bible says is coming in clouds. If, if, it, if, it, if it's coming in clouds... And yet he said, as you see him go, so shall he come. How did he go? He didn't go in clouds. He went in a cloud. So if he must come in like manner, he should come where? In a cloud. Are you getting this? Yeah, so the problem is, they don't see this until it's pointed out to you. You won't be able to see it. So that's the point. He left in a cloud. And I want you to understand that. 
So the Bible says, cloud receive him out of your sight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, just turn to John, just one verse there. Let's look at John 17, verse 5. John 17, verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. You take that to Acts chapter 1, verse 9, you're saying the same thing. Glorify me with thyself. What was the self? His cloud, his glory cloud. Let me show you that. First Timothy 6, verse 16. When he said, glorify me with thyself. First Timothy. Okay, take it from verse number 15. Let's look at it from 15. Which in his foot is time, he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The next scene, who only had immortality dwelling where? In the light which no man can approach unto. Whom no man had seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power and everlasting. Amen. Now, what I want you to see is the light was inaccessible, or the light that no man can approach. That light is a glory cloud. That was a light that enveloped Saul on the road to Damascus. That was the same light that Jesus entered into. So when he prayed in John 17, glorify me with thyself, what he was saying is, permit me to enter back into the light that I came from. Amen. Praise God. Whew. Can you follow it? All right. Look at Psalm 104, verse number 2. Psalm 104, verse number 2. Who covers herself with light as with a garment? Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain? What I want you to see there is you cover yourself with what? A light like a garment. That's a glory cloud. So when he said, glorify me with thyself. What he's saying, glorify me with the same light. And that answer came when he ascended in Art 1 verse 9. He went back into that same glory, which was the light inaccessible, which with God clothes himself. And I'm saying this is a light that was upon the ark and the light that descended on Mount Sinai. And so look at Acts chapter 40, verse 34 and 35. Exodus 40, Exodus 40, 34, 35. Exodus. Then a cloud glory. Can you see that? A cloud covered the tent of the congregation. That is tabernacle. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. A cloud. So connect this again to Acts chapter 1 verse 9. What took him out of their sight? A cloud. What filled the tabernacle? A cloud. Are you seeing it? And in Psalm 104, the Lord said, This is the garment of light with which God covers himself. Mm-hmm. Let me repeat this. 
Don't you ever be confused into believing that Jesus is coming as he left with clouds. In Revelation 1 verse 7, it said, Behold, a comment with clouds. I mean, if you understand that. Praise God. And every eye shall see him. So with that, people are looking upstairs to see him come from the sky. I don't know how it's going to be because as far as the earth is concerned, we're all not using the same calendar. Praise God. Are you done with me? Uh-huh. So, maybe you're expecting him tomorrow. I don't know what time he wants to appear to you tomorrow as compared to other people in other regions. You are not using the same time frame. But that's not the point. Because I'm saying that he said, oh, I shall see him. The understanding about that is, oh, well, everybody's going to start and see him descend from the sky and that's what goes about the rapture. Then everybody's going to, boom, from the, from the cemetery and everybody flying upstairs and those of us who are left behind to enjoy the earth, we're going to be looking at them going up that way and all that. Is that okay? Praise God. That's a very low level of interpreting the word of God. I don't have time here to deal with the issue of the clouds and every eye shall see him and even doors appear in him. You need to understand that. That's what first Cor- I mean, Revelation 1 7 says. Just go there, let me show you. Revelation 1 7. We'll come back here. To tell you that this cloud is not the same wind with one which it is coming. Behold, it come with what? Clouds. How many clouds? Plural. Not a cloud, but clouds. And every eye shall see him. And they also will be handsome. And all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. You can go to Zachariah and find the true meaning of this. He's talking about the Jews. Not you. You didn't pierce Jesus, did you? <laughs> Praise God. So he came in judgment. That's what he's saying. He's coming in judgment to the Jews. That's why they shall mourn. That's why they shall wail. That's what he's saying. So it's not the class here talks about people. The Roman soldiers, especially in AD 70, it's not talking about the lumbus and cumulus, your geographical atmospheric cloud. It's not talking about that. So when people teach that he shall come, every eye shall see him, they have no understanding of what they are teaching. He didn't go in clouds, he left in a cloud, singular cloud. Am I correct? Yeah, so if you must come, he's coming in a cloud. And can I tell you something? He's really coming in a cloud. Why? Because it was the same cloud that descended upon Mary. I will show you. He said, that glory of the Lord shall rest upon thee. And that holy thing that shall be formed in thee shall be called what? The Son of God. When the cloud comes upon you, the holy seed is formed on your inside. It's a carrier of God's presence. Hallelujah. So go back now to Exodus. Now that you've seen the difference between the cloud and the clouds. Exodus 40 verse 34 and 35. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Verse 35. And the Bible says. Verse 35. Moses 
was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because a cloud, the cloud, hallelujah, abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled what? The tabernacle. When the cloud comes in, the glory fills the place. Are you seeing that? Hallelujah. This is when Moses finished building his temple. Okay, let's look at Solomon's temple. First King chapter 8, 10 and 11. Okay. Bible says, and it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. The cloud. Hallelujah. So that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. You see the glory goes together with the cloud. Are you seeing it? Praise the Lord. So when, 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 when Moses finished building his temple, the glory came. You can say at the time of dedication. When Solomon finished building his temple, the glory came. At the time of dedication. Amen. Praise God. So in the temple was a cloud. Now don't forget what we're dealing with. The Bible tells us that God does not dwell with temple made with hands. So something must change. Hallelujah. But all of these were the physical temple and the visitation of God when the temple was being constructed. But let's look at something like Act, I mean Ezekiel chapter 9, verse number 3. And Ezekiel 10, 43. But Ezekiel 9, verse number 3 only. Or I can take it from verse number 1. Let's look at from verse number 1. He cried also in my ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have changed charge over the city to draw near even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gates. Which lied between, I mean, towards the north. And every man and a slaughter, weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with leaning, with the writer's income by his side, and went in and stood beside the brazen altar. Verse 3. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from up the cherubim, whereupon he was, to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with icon which had the writer's icon in his sight. I want you to take it from a simpler translation. Maybe NLT or whatever. Just this verse. Verse 3. Let me show you something. Then the glory of God of Israel rose from, uh, from between where? The cherubim. How many of you remember where the cherubim was? How many of you can remember? In the ark. Very good. The cherubims were the carrier of God's glory. They were the carrier of his presence. Is that okay? Right. Now something is about to happen in Israel. This temple is about being destroyed. The nation is about being destroyed. The glory have to depart. Is it making sense to you now? Very good. What I'm trying to make you see now here is the glory is moving out of the physical temple to a temple not made with hands. Okay. Go to that same Ezekiel chapter 10 and verse 43. From the NLT as well. 
Then the glory of the Lord rose up from above the cherubim and went over to the door of the temple. The temple was filled with a cloud of his glory. And the courtyard glowed brightly with what? The glory of the Lord. There's a movement. The glory is about to leave where? The temple. The same thing you find Jesus said in Matthew 23. Behold, your house is left to you what? Desolate. When he wept over Jerusalem. What he tried to say was, the glory has departed. It's an empty house you have. God is not there. Because the Jews, I mean the Romans, are coming to destroy that particular temple. Okay, you can find time to read all of that. 18 to 19 and so on and so forth. You'll be able to see. So here we can see clearly that wherever God chooses to dwell, he comes in his glory. Which is the true substance of God. Anywhere he wants to stay, he comes with his glory. I want you to notice that. And the glory is already conveyed by what? The cloud. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. Okay. So now let's quickly look at a few things. Isaiah 43 verse number 10. And then Hebrews. Um, okay. Isaiah 43 verse number 10. Now go with King James. Ye are my witnesses, say the Lord, I am my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me, no God formed. I explained that, I think, last week. God have never taken shape in the man. Hallelujah. Okay. You look at Hebrews. Look at Hebrews. Um, let's just say Hebrews chapter 10 for instance. Hebrews 10 verse number 5. When Wherefore, when he cometh into the wall, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou would not, but a body that has done what? That has prepared me. A body that has prepared me. And I want you to notice that because very important. Now, so you go very quickly. John 2, verse 19. John 2, verse 19. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Remember, he said, Show me a time. When he did all of those things, drove them out of the temple, and said, You tell us, show us a sign. If you think who you are, whatever, give us a sign. And he said, Okay, I'll destroy this temple in three days, and I will build it. And then the next thing, then he said, The Jews, 40 and 6 years. Now, this was Herod's temple. 14 years teacher was the temple in building. I, I like that. For 46 years they were building this temple. And without ready it up in three days. What are you talking about? Destroy this building in three days. You build it. How do I be constructed for 46 years? 
It's like saying something is wrong with you. Look at the next verse. But he spake of what? The temple of his body. Remember, the glory was always in the temple, in the ark. Is that okay? Without his presence. In Ezekiel, we saw that the glory departed from that temple. So whatever thing they were having was just a physical structure without the presence of God. God have determined to move out of the physical temple into a temple made without hands. And Jesus coming in says, A body have that prepared me, O Lord, to do thy will. And in John 2, he defines what the body is. He calls it the temple of the Lord. Are you following it? Praise the living God. And so in Philippians 2 verse number 6. It says, I will be in the form of God. Taught in our robbery to be equal with you. To be equal with God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, now go with me to Colossians chapter 1, 14, 15. Let's take it from the Amplified Translation. Colossians 1, 14, 15. When we have our redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of our sins. Now he is the exact likeness of the unseen God. I want you to begin to see that. The exact likeness of what? The unseen God. Remember, God is spirit. He dwells in the light inaccessible. Amen? Are you listening to me? All right. The visible representation of the invisible. The visible representation. So that takes you back to that Isaiah 43 verse 10. Before me, God has never been formed. Now God is being formed. The visible representation of the invisible God. So the God that you cannot see because his spirit can now be seen in a form. Are you getting that? Praise the living God. He is the firstborn of all creatures. Okay, next verse. Verse 16. For it was in him that all things were created. In him and on earth, things seen, things unseen, with a throne, dominion, rulers, and authorities, all things were created and existed through him by his, uh, his service, intervention, and in and through him, whatever the case may be. So that's just it. Now go with me now to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Remember, the visible representation of the invisible God is Jesus. Is it making sense? All right. God, let's see it to take it from the Amplify. Just see where I like it. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth the portion of the truth. And in different ways, God spake of, spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. But in the last of these days, He has spoken to us in the person of His Son. Now, when you talk about last days, people think about when the world is going to end. That's not what it means. The days when, when God keep on doing one thing at a time in portion, different revelations. 
So you can talk about for it started 40 years in the wilderness was a day. He said, when they tempt, in the day when they tempted me in the wilderness. I mean, if you remember that. For 40 years. That period of which God was doing whatever thing was doing with the children of Israel was a day. That's why scripture says days like a thousand years and a year like a day. I mean, a thousand years like a day. Is that okay? Praise the living God. Right. So, all of those segments of time, right from creation, were days. And so, if you, even if you look at the book of uh, uh, Luke 17, if you look at 20, 21, 22, 23, Jesus was saying, a time is coming when you would desire one of the days of the Son of Man. I mean, if you remember that. Yeah, the days of the Son of Man was when he started doing signs and miracles, wonders in Israel. And he was trying to say, well... I am going to leave the scene, right? All the scene you are observing, you are not going to be seeing that. You will be thinking, we wish Jesus was around. So it becomes a day. That was a day. Praise the Lord. So all of this, now when we talk about the last day, right from the day of Pentecost to this hour, it's called the last day. The last day is not one thing in the future. The last day began from the day of Pentecost. That's about 2,000 years ago. Are you getting that? So he says here, yeah, but in the last of these days, he has spoken to us on the person of his son, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by and through whom he created the worlds and the riches of space and the ages of them. He made product, built, operated, and arranged them in order. Verse 3 is what I'm looking for. He is the sole expression. Of the glory of God. Amen. That's what I want you to see. The light being. The outrain. Or radiance. Of the divine. As a perfect imprint. And the very image of God's nature. We're just going to stop there. I need you to see that. He is the sole what? Expression of what? The glory. Remember the glory was what came on the temple. Which was a cloud of glory. Hallelujah. So when the glory comes on the temple. That was God descending on the temple. In his presence. But what we are seeing here is. Jesus being described as what? The sole expression. By implication, all of those things we saw from the temple, from the ark, were just symbolic of the real thing. And that is why Stephen had to say, God does not dwell in temple made with what? With hands. So Christ is the sole expression. Of the glory of God. The light being the outrain or radiance of the divine. And he said he is the perfect imprint and the very image of glory of God. So, when he said let us make man in our image and of our likeness. You begin to see it. In Genesis when he said let us make man. In Genesis to go found man. Are you getting that? That means the man of Genesis 1 was infused into the man of Genesis 2, 7. And you are that man, oh glory, 
Let us make man our image, meaning God's intention is to infuse his life into you, becoming the image and likeness of God on the face of the earth. Praise the living God. So Jesus represented the invisible God in a bodily form. And can I tell you now, that is what he meant by what? The second heaven of God. Praise the Lord. So God our spirit had never made or had any form, but he took form in Christ Jesus so that the unseen spirit can be seen in a visible shape. Praise the Lord. Colossians 2 verse 9 again. Amplified translation. Oh, glory. For in him the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continued to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the world, the divine nation. In him, in who? In Christ. So, that's why I will tell you in John 14, if you see me, you send the Father. Philip, you say, show the Father. If you see me, you send the Father. I am the visible representation and expression of the invisible God. And that is how God intends you to live. That you become the visible expression of the invisible God. Hallelujah. So you find that Jesus was the second heaven. So when you talk about the first heaven and then you're talking about the second heaven, the second heaven is a heaven made without hands. And that is Jesus Christ in a bodily form. It is sole expression of the glory of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. All right. So remember in Exodus 33, verse 20. Exodus uh, 33, verse 20. Just look at that. He said, But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. But now we can see him. We see God in the face of Jesus. Did you understand that? Come on, are you with me? Okay. So again, John chapter 1, uh, look at verse 18 and verse 14 from the Amplified Translation. No man had ever seen God at any time. Watch that. Exodus 3, you can see me and live. Is that okay? Praise God. But honestly, it's not true that when you see God, you don't live. What it means if you see God, you die to your old nature. Because, <laughs> remember Jacob wrestled with God. He saw God. But he died from being Jacob to Israel. Is that okay? Hey, are you here with me? Praise God. The parents of Gideon, they saw God. I mean, if you understand it. And they said, oh, now we're going to die because we have seen God. They were referring to Exodus 33, 20. No man can see God and live. So it's like, oh, we're going to die now because we have seen God. Is that okay? Right. So it's not true that when you see God, you die. No, no, no. What it means is when you see God, you die to your old life. You become a new being. Anytime we see Jesus, we are conformed to his image. We are transformed into his image. So you see God and live. But you must die to your own self. 
Okay, so here he said, No man had ever seen God at any time. The only unique son, or the only begotten God. Oh my God. So the Lord said to my Lord, The only begotten God. God was talking to God when he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Hallelujah. I say, Hallelujah. And he said, Who is in the bosom, the intimate presence of the Father? He had declared him. He had revealed him and brought him out where he can be seen. He has interpreted him and he has made him known. The invisible God is now being seen because somebody that is Jesus made him available to all mankind. Are you see there? So, Hebrews 1 called him the sole expression of the glory of God. The sole expression of the invisible God. And so when he come into John 1 here, he said, it's made known. So, look at the next verse. Verse, verse, uh, let's go to verse 14. Verse 14. Hmm. And the word which is Christ became flesh, human, incarnate, and tabernacled, fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us, and we actually saw the glory, his honor, his majesty, such a glory as only begotten Son received from his Father, full of grace, favor, loving kindness, and what? And truth. Praise the Lord. Are we are we here? You get the point now. So Jesus made him visible. That is the invisible God. In this context, we can handle God personally. The visible expression became tangible for us to see, for us to touch, for us to feel. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you find out the real glory. Now, pick this. In the tabernacle, the whole structure was there. But the ark was inside the structure. The glory was not just in the whole building. The glory was actually within the ark. So the human nature of Jesus clothed the real glory that was where? On the inside. So the glory of God that you carry is not what you see. The real glory of swear on your inside. I want you to get this. So I'm taking my time. So when we're talking about you being born again, your real you is on your inside. Not this carcasses. This is a temple covering the real glory of God. Are we here? Praise the Lord. I want you to get because this is very, very important. So look with me now. Luke chapter 9. A few minutes more. Look at verse 27 to 35. This is a long story. But I just show you something here. Look 9, 27. He said, However, I tell you truly, there are some of these standing here who shall not taste death before they see the kingdom come, I mean kingdom of God. 
Now he was talking to the disciples, talking to the Pharisees, and he was saying, All of you standing here will not see death until you see the kingdom come. And some people are still expecting the kingdom to come. Some still think the kingdom have not come. The question is, the people he was talking to, are they still alive? Or did Jesus lie? The next thing. Now, about eight days after this teaching, and I want you to get this. I want you to see this because this is very crucial. He gave a statement, he made a statement, and he said, Some of you here listening to me will not taste dead until you see the kingdom come. Now, after eight days of that statement, something happened. Look at it. Jesus took him, took with him Peter, James, and John, and went up onto the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his countenance became altered, different, and his raiment became dazzling with flashing with the brilliance of lightning. And behold, two men were conversing with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in splendor and majesty and brightness and were speaking of his death or exit from life, which is his death. Which was about to bring to realization at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those with him were weighed down with sleep. But when they fully awoke, they saw his glory, splendor, majesty, and brightness. And the two men were still with him. And it occurred as the men were parting from him that Peter said unto, unto his master, a delightful and good, that we are here. And let us construct three boots of those, one for you, I mean one hot, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah, that noticing or not knowing what he was saying. And I'm going to explain something there, because it's very important. Praise the Lord. Just move a little bit. We saw in verse 5, 35. What's the next verse? You can go to King James so that I can fast with you. Then there came a voice. Oh, where are we? 34. But even as he was saying this, a cloud came and began to overshadow them. And they were seized with alarm and struck with fear as they entered into the cloud. The next thing says, verse 35. Then there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Oh, my beloved, I'm a chosen son of my beloved. Listen and yield to and obey him. Now, this is the story. This is, this is where I'm, I'm bringing you into. Hearing this story, praise the Lord. Hearing this picture, Jesus was transfigured. Now, remember, before the transfiguration, he told them, those standing there, shall not taste of death until they see the son of man come in his glory is that okay praise the lord second peter 1 verse 15 take it from me king james uh, let me see yeah that's what i'm looking for praise the lord so here he says moreover are we endeavor remember in that mighty or Luke that we're dealing with chapter 9 he made a promise that after 
eight days of the statement some of you standing here shall not taste that is that okay right so instantly the bible said it transfigured now listen to what peter said here remember he took peter james and john and he said those of you standing here shall not taste of the until the kingdom come so look at this moreover i will endeavor that you may be able after my disease after my death to have these things always in remembrance and he said for we have not followed cunning device fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we eyewitnesses of majesty, the power and the coming. Now, that's what I want you to see. Some of you stand here, shall not taste of death until you see the Son of Man come in his kingdom. And now, Peter is saying, We saw his coming. Men are still waiting for him to come. But Peter said he saw the coming because they don't understand how he comes. I don't know if you are following this. Look at this verse. We have not following. No, no, no. Just keep it there. I want to take the part. For we have not followed cunning divine fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we are eyewitnesses of what His Majesty. The next thing says. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in one word and well pleased. So the whole experience they had on the Mount of Transfiguration is what Peter is referring to here as what? A coming of the power and the glory of God. And that is because he told them, okay. Let's take it from Matthew. Go back to Matthew 16. Take the last verse. Read King James. So that be fast. Matthew 16. Take the last verse. Or last two verses. Verily I say unto you. There be some standing here. We shall not taste of death. Till they see the son of man coming. Where? In his kingdom. Now when you go to chapter 17 After six days of this statement It transfigured before them So what he promised them In verse 28 Was what happened On the mount of what? Transfiguration To which Peter was not declaring In 2 Peter 1 15 through 17 Of we saw The glory The power Of his coming Even when we heard the voice is my beloved son in whom I will please. What am I trying to explain? The glory that they saw was on the inside of him. But the glory busted out. And they saw this glorious being different from the one they were working with. Do you know why when the Bible says Peter said it's good we build three tabernacles here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Because they saw the glory. Now Luke said, not knowing what he said. Why did he say he doesn't know what he was talking about? Because he wanted to structure the future glory that is here to be made manifest. As that when he was making that request, Pentecost have not come. You must first experience Pentecost before you experience the Feast of Tabernacles. So what he was saying is, let's end it here. 
enter into immortality on this mountain. And that's why the Bible says, not knowing what he said. He was speaking foolishly. Because then they have not even experienced Pentecost, but he was requesting for what? Tabernacles. Are you following what I'm saying here? So, that manifestation of his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter referred to as what? A coming. The only coming that the church knows is first and second. How many of you understand what I'm saying? But unfortunately, there is nothing like first and second. In fact, there is no word like second coming. Second and coming is not joined together in the Bible. You can't find it anywhere. Go stretch it. Hallelujah. So, what we are saying, listen, he comes as a bridegroom. He comes as a judge. He comes as the spirit. How many comings can you think about? Go through the scripture. He comes as a thief in the night. He's still a coming. When he came to Israel on the day, I mean, in AD 70, he came in judgment unto Israel. That is why in Matthew chapter 10, he made a statement and said, Hey, look, if they pass the country in this city, run to another city. You wouldn't have any running through the city in Israel before the Son of Man become. That's a promise he gave to the disciples before he went to the cross. Are you still expecting the disciples to be alive today running around Israel? Ask anybody that question. He will tell you where spiritual Israel was. Jesus talking to you? But Jesus came in judgment to Jerusalem according to that promise. Not just in judgment. He also came in Pentecost. That is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 he will tell you the last two verses. The Lord is that spirit. So the person that came on the day of Pentecost was who? Jesus Christ. He came as a spirit. And that was the promise he was giving to the disciples. You won't finish running around the cities of Israel before the Son of Man come. But the church have no understanding about the comings of God. The only comings that we ever can think about is when he was born as a virgin Mary. I mean by virgin Mary. And then when he's going to come again. And all eyes shall see him. With your eyes. Oh, I never saw him when he was living. So how will I see him coming? Then he's no longer in like manner. Praise God. Are you sitting there with me? Alright, I think we're going to be stopping here today. Next week we'll take it from here. But, get this one. The summary of what I'm just trying to share with you is this. Just take John 14 verse 10. Then we'll close there. Summary of what I'm giving to you is this. The ark was the first tangible presence of God where he showed forth his glory. But God resolved not to dwell in temple made with hands. And so Jesus became the second temple of God, but this time not made with hands. The first one was made with hands, which was the tabernacle of Moses. But then we have where the ark was, which was the first heaven of God. But Jesus become the servant of God where his glory is expressed, where the, the tangible expression of the invisible God made manifest. So he become the second temple of God. So what we're going to be looking at next is the third temple, which is the third heaven. Because the first temple, which is the ark, is the first heaven. The second temple without hands, which is Jesus, is the second heaven. And so what's going to be the third heaven? We'll look at that next week. Believe it or not that I'm in the Father. And the Father in me, the way that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he dwelt what the works. The Father was telling him, 
That was his glory. His presence was there. He was a carrier of the invisible God. Praise the living God, somebody. And God intends that for each one of us as believers. Ultimately, this was going to be that will become the full expression of what? The glory of God. Don't forget, he's the firstborn among many brethren. So, the business of revealing himself to creation is not ending with one son. And I need you to get that. The business of God revealing himself to creation is not ending with only one son. Is a firstborn among many brethren. So whatever and whoever he was, that is the way we are supposed to be. In fact, scriptures say, as he is, so are we now in this world. Praise God, somebody. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.